That's my assistant. Yeah, I have that same assistant. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Sheila, welcome to the Chillinoy podcast. Um, I have to say this is pretty awesome because you're our first in-person guest. Yeah, very cool. Right? I'm excited. You're in yeah. 3D. It's yeah, like, it's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So go ahead and introduce yourself uh, to the audience of the Chillinois yeah. podcast. So uh, I'm Dr. Sheila Simons. I am a professor in the Department of Public Health at Eastern Illinois University. Um, my specialty is actually epidemiology. So I study disease. We're kind of the CSI of disease. But the other thing that you can do with epidemiology is assess populations and their needs, mm -hmm. uh, but also the effectiveness of treatments. And that's kind of where this fits in with what I do. Uh, but also, full disclosure, uh, I'm a medical patient too. So I had a great interest in figuring out how things work for me, but also trying to figure out how can we best educate other individuals. Nice, yeah. nice. So, um, you know, I, I'm always like I feel like I'm like oh I'm part of the cool group when I walk when I come across a professional yeah. that uses cannabis. <laughs> yeah. Can you tell us about? Uh, how you found cannabis to be an effective medicine for you? Yeah, so uh, I have the medical card for PTSD. Mm -hmm. um, I am a survivor of sexual assault, so I had a lot of difficulty sleeping, a lot of anxiety throughout the day, uh, and just a lot of things that I didn't realize were connected to, mm -hmm. to the assault or connected to um, sleep and all of these other things. Uh, and I had tried virtually everything. And I remember one night I had taken, uh, and I had been on it for quite some time, um, a sleep medication, uh, Zolpidem, which is uh, the generic for Ambien. And I had taken that, and I was also congested, and I took Benadryl with it. And you can't, they're not, they're not counterindicated. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I was up all night, and I thought, my God, I obviously need an elephant gun to put me down in order <laughs> yeah. to get some sleep. But, you know, our bodies, our minds, and our abilities just cannot function without sleep. Mm -hmm. and, and it's just, I mean, you think about a bad night's sleep and how you drag through the day. And then you think, you know, for me, I was experiencing over a long time frame. So I finally had a physician uh, who was also a personal friend that said, have you thought about cannabis? And uh, n no, I hadn't thought about cannabis. For some reason, didn't even cross my mind. Mm -hmm. I have never been opposed to it. Um, but the first time I actually used it medicinally or really at all was when I turned 50. Oh, wow. Yeah. I was about to ask if yeah. you gave it the old college try. No, you know? <laughs> no, I didn't. So, you know, my friends used it in college. It just never, it didn't not appeal to me, but it didn't really appeal to me either. Mm -hmm. I didn't care if friends were using it or it just seemed insignificant at the time. Sure. Um, and then when my physician asked me to try it, I was a little bit resistant at first because there is no research out there. There's nothing that shows you. Everything is anecdotal. Yep. And, you know, that's kind of where we have to come in as institutions. If mm -hmm. you want to say, you know, it works, you're going to have to be able to provide some sort of evidence for that. Yeah. So uh, finally, I, I literally, it's kind of like I, I gave in. Like, okay, I'll try it. And mm -hmm. then I went, I got my license, uh, went to a dispensary, and I walked into the dispensary and had absolutely zero clue what to do. And sure. the information that you get from each dispensary is just a little bit different. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be because they're different dispensaries, but yeah. they're also different people. Right. And different levels of education, different levels of experience. Mm -hmm. And, you know, here I am, I'm standing in this line uh, and uh, or 
standing actually at the counter because, you, you know, there's not really multiple people in line there. Uh, and they're going to give me a freebie because I'm a first time customer. Yeah. And, you know, the guy asked me, well, do you do flour? And he kind of mumbled through it and I didn't catch it. And I thought, what is he talking about? Do mm -hmm. I do flour? Uh, so I'm 52 now. And in that amount of time, I have done an incredible amount of research to understand. <laughs> yeah. uh, but if you don't have the time and you don't have the ability to understand maybe the products and what's in, you know, cannabis and all of these other things that help you sleep. You know, mm -hmm. I went from having night terrors. And I remember the first night I dosed with this, um, I, I dosed started to feel a little sleepy. I thought, well, this is kind of a nice little head fuzz that I have. I feel really relaxed. Yeah. Uh, and of course, uh, lied down. And it was, uh, I think my wife actually was a little teary that night because it was the first time that she'd seen me yawn on the couch. Wow. Yeah. So it, it, like all of this squirrel cage stuff going on in my mind and the inability to kind of separate those things. And I went to bed that night. I slept the entire night. I woke up the next morning, rested, and I was in tears. I just couldn't believe that I wasn't having nightmares and I wasn't hearing sounds in the house that, you know, maybe would send me up straight. Sure. I was actually able to sleep soundly and just in tears over it because I couldn't believe that it was so successful. Right. Uh, and from there, you know, it, of course, piqued my interest in, like, how can people benefit from this? Mm -hmm. You know, because this is a product now that not only am I, am I sold on as a patient, but also see the need now for health literacy, for people yeah. to understand what it is, what it does, and how it works. And, you know, because right now, again, it's anecdotal, but what if we have people that, uh, you know, I can't imagine, and we kind of talked about this the other day, the burden that people have, you know, walking into, or at least the bud tenders, say you walk into a dispensary and you're like, hey, mm -hmm. uh, I have this condition or I have this condition, what do you recommend? Right. You know, and they can get them started, they really can. Mm -hmm. uh, but there's more to it, you know, right. the, to this particular type of process. and. All of the knowledge, all of the time that we have ever spent talking about cannabis, and again, I call it cannabis, I refuse to call it marijuana, yep. uh, is that we have focused on terminology and we have focused on things that we think are bad about it. Mm -hmm. And we've created all these demonstrations, uh, really even the federal government, of course, you know, just kind of uh, trying to suppress cannabis as, right. as a drug which causes no more harm than alcohol, actually far less. Yeah. So, um, the idea that we can offer the same amount of education for safety and mm -hmm. usage that we do for alcohol, that's something we should be doing now. Absolutely. Yeah. And, Absolutely. And I think for us to, to really educate people, we're gonna have, it's going to have to come from higher education. Yeah. 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 So um, before we get into that, because that's, mm -hmm. just, that's basically yeah, what, topic. Yeah. Yeah, that's what we're going to talk, <laughs> that's what we're talking about, what you're bringing to the table, um, lest we gloss over something. I don't want to, to gloss over something as important as what you just brought up. We've covered it on the show before, but I want to give sure. you the opportunity. Why do you choose to call uh, call it cannabis yeah. instead of marijuana? Yeah, so there's some yeah. racist connotations, right, to it with, uh, with the marijuana. And I think, uh, so that's part of it. That, yep. And for me, that's the biggest part. Absolutely. But there's also a part that I think if you start calling it cannabis, it gives it a little more legitimacy. Absolutely, yeah. So that's where my focus is with that. If we say medical marijuana, that's one thing. Mm -hmm. If we say medical cannabis... Uh, it's a little bit easier, I think, for people to digest. Yeah. 
and I think it makes it a little more acceptable. Mm-hmm. Um, but calling it uh, marijuana, of course, and, and I've listened to your shows, we've had this discussion before, yeah. uh, it, it's just, it has racist foundations and I refuse to, to use the word. Yeah, so thank you for covering that for folks that maybe didn't know that. Yeah. Um, you know, the other, the other part of it, and I think this is a perfect segue to our transition of bringing you know, cannabis into the world of academia, is that cannabis is the scientific name for the plant. Yeah, that's right. We were talking about uh-huh. uh, Linnaeus before we got on the podcast. Right, and I was right. telling you, I was like, man, I really, w-, you know, I think if growing up they taught me about Linnaeus doing his experiments on hemp and cannabis as right. opposed to beans, maybe I would have been like a little bit more engaged. Yeah, and, and <laughs> I know? think uh, I think when they covered that in school for me, they, they did talk about the beans and we made it to hemp and the importance of hemp. We mm. did talk about that in social studies wow. of all. Uh, but I had a long-haired uh, social studies guy who was very open and just uh, very engaging with the students. And mm-hmm. I think he was you know, kind of creating a foundation and probably during that time walking a pretty thin line in giving that information to us. Oh, absolutely. So, I mean, but we, I uh, went to a school in Northern Illinois, kind of uh, just a little bit north of Belvedere, Belvedere High School. Um, and it was just a kind of amazing uh, process that we actually <laughs> had uh, educationally because it was, uh, I wouldn't say it's, you know, people have a tendency to say it's liberal education and it's yeah. not, it's just education. It's right. just, uh, I mean, people, we give you the information, you create your own ideas from mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's the whole purpose behind it. But uh, yeah, so that was kind of my, my foundation to that. But cannabis, it's cannabis. Yeah. That's all it is. It's cannabis, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I, and I guess before we talk about what you've got coming up in the spring, I think it's, uh, you know, um, lost my train of thought on that one. It's okay though. Um, let's talk about what you are bringing to EIU. This is it. This spring? It's with, this coming spring. This yeah. coming spring. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Yeah. So uh, one of the things that we're doing here is we develop a lot of one credit hour courses, and mm-hmm. this is certainly something that could turn into more credits for that. But the course is actually going to be on medical cannabis. That is mm-hmm. the name of the course. Awesome. Uh, yeah. And I'm really excited about it. And of course, it, it's going to be offered online first, so it's not going to have any difficulty filling. Sure. And of course, there's a lot of people who are super interested in cannabis anyhow. So right. Uh, whether personal or just want to understand it more. Uh, but in this particular class, we're not going to you know, talk too much. We talked about this earlier, too, about uh, hybrids mm-hmm. uh, is what we refer to them as. But strains you know, yeah. frequently is what they're called. But um, if you're looking at any botanists, we're, we're talking hybrids. So, yeah. yes, I want to talk about those types of things. But all the other components that are in cannabis the cannabinoid receptors that are in our brain and in our body and in our gut, mm-hmm. uh, all of those types of things that are important for us to be able to address. Right. Uh, so in that class, uh, hopefully when it's over and done with, you know, um, the local dispensary here has offered to kind of give some educational information too. Nice. And what I'm hoping to do between the class uh, and the students creating maybe a project from that class is create some health literature mm-hmm. that can be given either two dispensaries and then you know the proprietary dispensaries they have their own stuff that they bring in and hand out right but what if there was an individual you know that could provide a little more information as to how it truly does work in the body how it affects the brain uh, and you know 
I think about opioids sometimes, and that's something that I would talk about, of course, in this class, and the benefit of cannabis. Mm -hmm. Not a lot of people know that for what we have found with the cannabinoid system is that we have, for every one opioid receptor in the brain, there are 10 cannabinoid receptors. Right. And none of those are in the basal tissue of the brain, which means it won't suppress your breathing or your heart rate. So that means no overdose. That's why individuals right. don't overdose on it. Wow, I didn't I didn't realize the yeah. actual science behind what. Yeah, it's it's actually remarkable, you know, and uh, and of course we know people who have tried. <laughs> sure. Tried well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I try just about every. No, I'm joking. Yeah. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> I mean, people, and a lot of times accidentally, uh-huh. uh, which is the other part of this uh, this class as well. Yeah, and actually, I think that's key. You can overdose. Yes, you can. But you can't in the sense that we're thinking about. Maybe you right. could talk about the distinction. <laughs> yeah, so you can obviously... Uh, overdo it. <laughs> overdo it, yeah. yeah. You, it, it, kind of that overdose process is that you can, and that can lead to some symptoms for sure. people. You know, uh, of course, paranoia is one for individuals, but sometimes the nausea, sometimes people do get a, a little bit of vomiting from that, a little herpiness. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we've learned is that we can expose them to different compounds, you know, like the terpenes that you find in in citrus fruit or you know grind some pepper and smell that uh, black pepper Uh, so you can kind of uh, do that to kind of recenter you a little bit yeah Uh, but those types of individuals we've seen a lot of of late since there has been the introduction of legal cannabis in illinois because now people our baby boomers are wow it's it's legal now but it's Mm -hmm. different you know it's it's a better product than what they once had uh, so we have these individuals that are taking an edible, not feeling it because they are thinking about, hey, this is how I felt earlier, you know, in you know, 50, 60 years ago, and mm-hmm. I'm not having that experience now. I better take more because clearly it's not working. Those are our individuals that end up in the emergency room. Right. You know, they haven't learned the, the dosing properties and the mm-hmm. things. And, and even for me, I started to make my own edibles as chocolates. Um but even for me, I, I, you have to remember there, there are some aspects of that, you know, right. that it, with the dosing and the percentage. And so that's, that's our individuals that, that are overdosing it, overdoing it. Mm-hmm. And then we have the, the traditional overdose, uh, which we usually define as a cessation of respiratory rate or respiratory function and cardiac function mm-hmm. and eventually brain function. Uh, which is what we see with the, with the uh, opioid medications. Right. Right. So um, one of the things you brought up, you know, was the fact that um, people don't really know what to what to expect. And I'm hoping that I don't know the answer just yet, but I'm hoping Mm -hmm. that as institutions start to, uh, you know, take an academic approach a research based approach where we a data driven approach that we can begin to standardize cannabis medicine by looking at. This and these are the indicators I have now, right? Mm-hmm. I don't. Uh, a lot of it, I like. If you can see my hesitation, it's because some of it comes via like the this information. It feels like it comes via the cultivators, so right. I don't know if I can accept it as science. But what I am shooting for, at least now, with the, inform- the with some of the information we can work with, is uh, a standardization of cannabis medicine by looking right. at each individual plant's chemical profile and grouping them according to terpenes, flavonoids, cannabinoids. Those are the terms that right. I'm not sure about. Um, 
or any other distinguishing feature. That's that's really key. And the idea being that a reproducible chemical profile should enable doctors, physicians to monitor dosage and effect on a disorder in the same way as they do with other standardized medicines. That's exactly right. Right? Right. So Bedrocan, a company in the Netherlands, people have heard me talk about this a few times, uh, they seem to be pioneering this initiative. They offer five medicinal cannabis varieties um, that each have their own unique, fully standardized genetic composition that is and remains the same, according to them, for every batch year in and year out. And that just sounds like something to shoot for. Yeah, you know? yeah, it really does. And if we're looking at all of the conditions, you know, we have a lot of that qualify for medical cannabis. There's a lot of neurological conditions, a lot of pain conditions. And mm -hmm. uh, as, as you're kind of looking across the board, you can put those into groupings. And as, as you're discussing those five strains, I can, I can think about, okay, who would fit in one strain? Who would fit in another? Right. But if it was indeed uh, standardized, if we could do that, that's that's the same exact thing that we do with pharmaceuticals. Yeah. You know, that they, this is the formula, you follow it in this manner, and it gives you a particular product. And if that is something uh, that we can do, by God, we should be shooting for that type of thing. Uh, but again, it has to be off, off of data-driven science. Yeah. Uh, the other thing, though, and, and I don't... I don't want to say it, it has to be 100% science. It, it, there has to be a strong core to that. I don't want to ignore the people who maybe are having uh, benefits from it, whether sure. it's a placebo effect or it's truly benefiting them. If mm -hmm. they believe that it's working, that's true with any medication. Yep. So I want to be sure that we address those people too, you know, that we're saying, okay, you know, you might be feeling this way and it may be a benefit to you and it might not be a benefit to you. I, I don't see how it, it wouldn't be a benefit. Mm -hmm. But those are the types of things that, that we need to include. Yeah. We need to not forget about the populations that are kind of on, on the Fringes. Right. And really, if you think about uh, the cultivars, it, for them, uh, they are telling us, hey, this is the profile of the plant. And they may be able to produce the, the profile of the plant again and again and again. And that's great. But, you know, they're they're also kind of in it for themselves. Yep. You know, they're producing. It's like uh, I, we talked earlier. I grew up a farm kid, mm -hmm. you know, so we would have uh, decalb seed. Yeah. And then we'd have Pioneer Seed. We have these, and they're different cultivars. They're creating different products, and they're competing with one another. Right. And, you know, competition, yes, it's healthy, but cannabis also comes from uh, generations of kind of uh, hobby growers. You right. Know, people that are just growing it out of basements, garages, wherever. Mm -hmm. uh, and because of those, they've created some really good strains, but can we replicate those strains, or can we replicate that hybrid? Right. And if we can... Then again, we're looking at very specific treatments for individuals, whether they be topical or uh, ingested or smoked or, or whatever it is, however people use their cannabis, yeah. they can have a true benefit from that that is supported by science. Yeah. So I wanted to take on something. I think this is a good, this subject that we're talking about right now, it's good to talk about, I don't mean to say the other side of it, but maybe you'll understand what I mean sure. when I get into this. So I went and visited my grandma the other day. Um, it's really nice to be able to do that again without ha having yeah. to worry about killing her. <laughs> yeah, know? I know. <laughs> so, <laughs> exactly. Uh, That's exactly right. Yeah. So it was nice to go and see her. We talked about a few different things. And um, 
she used to read to me uh, when I grow up, the emperor wears no clothes. I didn't realize the irony of that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> until a few years ago when I yeah. saw Jack Herrera. What? Yeah, and, yeah. And uh, so anyways, though, it, I say that because we have a close relationship, right? If yeah. Grandson, yeah. Uh, grandma relationship. Um, she brought up that she's been reading in the news. She She's actually in the healthcare industry, so she's got a lot of friends that are nurses mm-hmm. and everything else. And she brought up that she's been reading about cannabis hypermediosis. Yeah. And I think it's maybe come, come, it's in the headlines again. Sure. And uh, I thought it would be important to discuss this because, let me put it this way. People have bad reactions to all sorts of medicines, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And so maybe we're identifying, uh, maybe this isn't the correct term, but uh, genomes or (laughs) genetic compositions of people that interact badly with do you know what i'm trying to yeah, say that, so that could be it you know that mm-hmm. people would have a sensitivity maybe that, sure. that we can call it that um to a to a particular strain but normally when we see this happening it's because people are using too much mm. and they're using so much that the only relief that they get is by taking a shower mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's really yeah it's really unusual how it uh and i know a lot of people talk about having this you know the head fuzz the the overall body fuzz and mm-hmm. and i'm imagining for these individuals that it's intensified. It's it's painful to them. It's, mm. Some people complain of like itchiness, scratchiness, all of this other wow. stuff. And by taking a shower, uh, it kind of constricts the blood vessels at the surface and mm. allows for some calming of that. But that is like the only way to actually treat it with the exception of you have to stop using for some time. Interesting. Yeah. So, uh, and then the other thing we're seeing a lot of is uh, kind of this hyperemesis in people, which is just excessive vomiting. Mm, yeah. uh, and it too is related to using the product too much. I've heard it called scrometing, which just scrometing, sounds like something yeah, out of yeah. a nightmare. Screaming vomiting yeah. is what they what they call it. Yeah, yeah. it is something out of, a, out of a nightmare. If we weren't in an institution, I'd do my off mic yell. I, that's, that's as loud as I'll get it. <laughs> yeah, but okay. Yeah, that, that, that must be... Uh, that just sounds like something out of a nightmare. Yeah, I I can't imagine what that would be. And I and again, that comes back to our health literacy, right? And mm-hmm. the, and the the need for this particular type of class yep. is that we also need to discuss dosing. Yes. You know, people start with they think ten milligrams. That's not a lot for a first time user in an edible. Sure. It sure is for a lot of individuals <laughs> yeah. for the first time at the edible, right? So yeah. we want them to to start low. Go slow, and that's true for everything. Yep. You know, start with if you're going to do an edible, start with two and a half milligrams. Mm-hmm. Wait 90 minutes before yeah. you decide to dose again. Uh, if you're not feeling the effects, then then up it slowly, slowly. So, this scrometing is a result of people going all in, using a lot over a long period of time, mm-hmm. and this uh, this other type of condition when we look at the profuse sweat and uh, the discomfort. That requires a shower that too and this isn't you know not unique to medications in the sense that you know anything that's that's strong enough to do good it's strong enough to do harm yeah and and we have to take that with everything that we do yep you know automobile driving riding a bicycle it's everything too much of anything yeah can get bad and i think yep. a lot of times that like with the the 10 milligram edible people look at that they think oh 10 milligrams it's not a lot because maybe an ibuprofen we it's, all know is yeah. 200 milligrams <laughs> yeah. and and incidentally the recommendations on the bottle is to take one every four to six hours yeah. not two right you know but we as a society have always said take two call me in the morning mm-hmm. 
So people have these ingrained ideas that are really difficult to get away of when you're away from when you're confident yep. that that's how it works. You know, I think about my human disease class. I teach that class as well. Um, and a lot of times uh, we'll have a day of uh, just ask your question and we call it lies that your family told you, mm-hmm. you know, like cracking your knuckles doesn't make your knuckles big. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, yeah. doing a big toe helps to walk, but it's not necessary to have it. Uh-huh. You know, so we talk a lot about those things. And those are ingrained beliefs that people have adopted mm-hmm. because it's the only access to knowledge they've had. Right. Same thing with cannabis. Yeah. You know, we develop all of these. Oh, this is how it actually works. So this is how it works. Mm-hmm. And so we really have to focus on on kind of helping guide people with that. It's And I think with some populations, it requires like a little more handholding. So what if we have, and uh, one of the things I talked about this morning is, why don't we have a certificate at universities? Yeah. I mean, you type in cannabis institutions or cannabis trainings and uh, in any type of search engine, and it's going to pull up all of these cannabis universities. And right. how legitimate are they? Many right. of them uh, are not associated with an institution. But the other thing is, do they need to be? Well, if we're going to use it medicinally and we're going to show that, yeah, there there is a connection, yes, there is data, yes, there is science, then yes, they should be associated with a, an institution right. of higher ed. Right. And all of these other uh, CANA universities, um, I've looked at quite a few of them. They have great classes. They have really good information, but not a lot of here's how we apply it. Right. The information, maybe this isn't the correct way of saying it, so feel free to correct me, uh, but it should be, it should be coming from an accredited source. Like, yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. An accredited yeah. institution. Yeah. Because, I mean, this is probably not the best example to use, but gosh golly, he made it an easy example. Trump University. Is just, <laughs> yeah, he did make it a really easy one. You know, it just, he just gave me that one. So, yeah, I know. Uh, that is, we don't want that in the cannabis industry. Yeah, right? and, that, and that's kind of, you know, what a little bit of what I'm seeing right now. Exactly. Which is why we have a need. <laughs> yes. And, because if people are using this in the healthcare professions, mm-hmm. if we have for physicians that are prescribing it, and some physicians that are prescribing it are like, hey, you know, I'll give you this prescription. I don't know a lot about it, but, you know, uh, if you go to the dispensary, they can help you or if you do this. Mm. And, and a lot of people have their own personal knowledge, right? Yeah. And, and that's fine. But if it's not an accredited institution and the difference between a certificate, you know, from, an, from a program that isn't associated with an institution like ours is that certificates just say that you've taken a class. Yeah. yeah. Accreditation says you've taken a class and you've met these goals right. and these objectives, and you can apply those right. as an individual. I would hope at some point that we get to a place where we're not only offering these courses through institutions, that it starts to become a requirement for people to have this knowledge to work in a dispensary, especially a medical dispensary. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, the medical dispensary folks that I've met, I mean no disrespect to them because they are fantastic. I've yeah. really enjoyed working with them. I've learned a lot from them. Um, but there there also has to be a way for people to find other information. And yep. and if we're going to if we're going to take this down this this medical route and we have mm-hmm. and, you know, speaking um, anecdotally just for myself, it's it's been um, truly a lifesaver, really. Yeah. Uh, but I think about all of this kind of knowledge that we have and how we just have to put it in a pipeline for people to absorb it, for it to be practical, for it to be usable. 
And that's where we are right now. We, yeah. we have to get to that spot. Yeah. So this might be a little bit apples to oranges, but just think about if you went to Walgreens yeah. and you're like, hey, you know, my doctor gave me this recommendation, right? Because that's yeah. what the can- yeah. cannabis is. It's not a prescription. It's a recommendation for th- a product that will treat this ailment. Pretty vague, right? Yeah, yeah. And so they have to turn around and look on the cabinet. What do I have? And they're just going to give you something. Like, yeah. that sounds crazy, right? Right. But then that's what's happening. That's and, exactly what's happening. And, you know, like you said, no disrespect to dispensary workers at all. Uh, my co-host, Justine, who I really wish could have made it today, um, we'll have to maybe get together again sometime. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, she she voiced as a former dispensary worker that she really wished that she had been provided some training because people come in yeah. with a doctor's recommendation. They've been told, hey, this is a location you can go to to get medicine, and there's a good chance it's going to help you. Yeah. And there's going to be somebody there that's going to be able to help you, and they don't know that on the other side of it it's just somebody that was hired do your own research is basically how it goes. The boss tells them, you know, you got to do your own research. So whether that's weed maps, Google, whatever it is, not a, not peer reviewed information. That's right. Uh, And then they're expected to almost have a consultation with a patient. It's crazy. And I think we're going to look back on this. Right. And we're going to kind of laugh, you know, to, there is, like you say, the positives of the people that have figured out how to make it work. Right. Right. We don't want to, uh, denigrate or uh, put any like that is great that's a good thing that's happened the Uh fact that our society has accepted embraced medical cannabis and allowed people to free themselves like your experience for sure oh yeah that made me emotional (laughs) you know what I mean oh it makes me emotional too it's it's kind of like um, and I call them my hackles, but I always I get goosebumps really easily. And I and I think about the experience that I had, the relief I had, and yeah. uh, just my ability to function again. I want people to have that. Right. I want people to have that type of experience. You know, why do we have this this product that we've done so little research on because it was illegal and mm-hmm. we couldn't? It's not like we can take a, a classroom of students and say, hey, half of you are, are going to smoke and half of you aren't, and we're going to see what's going to happen here. Yeah. Um, not that we wouldn't have problems getting volunteers. Sure. You know? <laughs> but, sure, but that is the whole, that is kind of the catch-22 we find ourselves in right. as we start to approach, and I want to get back to your class here, uh, but as we start to approach taking uh, this, 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 uh, I'm, uh, I'm struggling with words this morning, as we start to take a data-driven approach mm-hmm. to cannabis medicine, um, you know, we, we hopefully won't run into these blockades that are set up because of the fact that it's Schedule 2, right? Schedule right. 2? Schedule 2, yeah. So, um, but that is that is kind of the conundrum we are in. You yeah. know, we're, we're doing what we can with some limitations in place. And hopefully we start to see, I would love to see cannabis be rescheduled so that we can start to yeah. see cannabis banking come around, cannabis research. Um, but I want to get back to your course um, first of all, how do how would people listening sign up for the course? Just go to eiu.edu yeah, so and search. Yeah, it, so it's going to be actually offered um, through our department, just cool. a, a like you would a regular college course is how you're going to take it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this particular course, after the proposal uh, is, will be viewed this this fall. Uh, we'll have it on the schedule for the spring. And people can just register for the class as if they, they can either do it uh, – 
uh, through the My EIU mm-hmm. and uh, take the course like that. And of course, um, normally because it will be an online course, it will be a discussion like this. I'll have sure. recorded lectures. Um, and those types of lectures, I hope to maybe share some initially with our dispensaries that, mm-hmm. you know, here's a PowerPoint. Yep. Uh, and weed maps, it's great. Google, fine. Sure. But we need a, we need something with teeth. Yep. You know, we have to be able to bite into this and say, okay, this this is how this works. Yeah. So well. that is, a, they can just sign up for the course as they would sign up for any course at the university. Perfect. Yeah. And uh, it might just be my memory, but what was the course again? It is medical cannabis. Cool. Yeah. And that is uh, P-U-B-H. Uh, it's, I'm actually trying to get the course number 2420. Nice. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But the reason for 2420 is, uh, yeah, it's kind of a signal to everyone, right? Sure. But the other thing is, is I want those individuals who are kind of excited about cannabis to see that. Yeah. Recruit them to the course and say, okay, these are your beliefs, but this is what we know. Right. Let's go from there. Let's build right. on that type of stuff. So. Hopefully I'll attract individuals that have an interest in cannabis, obviously going to be cannabis users, but I also want individuals to, to come to that course uh, and you know have an open mind about how it actually functions in our body, and then we can go from there. Right. Absolutely. Well, um, I want to, you know, uh, I've still got some big, big topics, but I just wanted to pause for a moment to thank you for doing this because- Oh yeah, for sure. This is, this is awesome. So did it, can I ask- um, and if this is like, you know, a question that maybe you don't want to answer on air or whatever, but was it hard? Did you have to do any convincing here at EAU? Like, what? Oh, no, 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 uh, no, because, um, I just, I approached my chair and I said, Hey, I, I want to propose this class and I think it'll go. And, and these are the concepts behind it. And I'll share the proposal with you sure. uh, when we're done here. Um, because when we, as we are offering this, of course, you have to create a proposal of what you will cover. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. the assignments that will show that you're competent in in, in uh, the objectives that we have from the course, and of course the uh, learning goals that we have, both undergraduate and graduate. Uh, so, offering that proposal, following the guidelines of the institution, and taking a data-driven approach is what I'm doing. Uh, I think people, uh, when it might start making it out there, they might look at it as like, oh, it's a how-to class. It's not a how-to no. class. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that is not. And I'm, I'm not a botanist. I'm an, I'm an epidemiologist that has experience, and uh, I also ha- have a background in teaching human diseases. Those are the courses that I teach here. Mm-hmm. So I know the long-term impact of, of diseases and how we can have the ability to potentially manage that. And then yeah. of course, the number of those diseases come from epidemiology. So we put those two things together, use a data-driven approach, and then we can actually talk about cannabis, not necessarily as the plant, but as a treatment. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And um, do you, what do you, this is admittedly a, a tough question to ask, let alone answer. Okay. Uh, what do you envision for the um, future of cannabis? Like, do you envision that it'll still that we'll still have these uh, multiple methods of consumption, like smoking? For like, sure. That's really my question. Do you think that smoking is going to go away, or is there going to no. be a, a big like poo poo on it? Or you know? no, I don't. I don't think it's going to go away. Um, you know, my preference obviously is is edibles. Um, 
but if I need serious relief, I will... And immediate relief. Immediate relief. And that's why it's not going to go away. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. Yeah, you know, we talk about different types of effects, but uh, there are days on occasion that I still have a really bad day, and those days, you know, I don't come into the office. But what I do is I might use uh, a vape pen for immediate relief. Sure. And uh, then I would maybe use a liquid, couple milligrams to keep that going, and then an edible. So I'm kind of stacking them. Right. So I have the immediate relief. I know that the edible isn't going to kick in for 90 minutes, Mm -hmm. and I've taken something that might kick in in 20 minutes, like a liquid tonic. Sure. So I'll take that at low dose, and that helps me bridge that. Right. So I don't see, uh, especially if we're using it medically, for terminal patients and other patients, yeah, uh, there is no reason to deny them that. Right. Absolutely zero, zero right. reason. And that is, you know, one thing that I find troubling is, you know, why do we deny people something that can actually help them? It yeah. can make them feel human again. That can make them not be in pain, whether whether it's physical or emotional. Mm-hmm. You know, that is something that that we really need to consider. Yeah, I. I've told this story on the podcast before, but I truly believe that, um, so my grandfather passed away a few years ago and I truly believe that, you know, and it's funny, my like family, um, would like, I think they've even laughed when I like maybe suggested it in the past. Um, but I truly believe that if had he tried cannabis, I'm not saying it would have cured his cancer Oh yeah. at all. I I don't think there's, you know, we don't know a cure for much of anything, right? Right. right. But I think that if he would have had the appetite, maybe he would have eaten. Maybe then he would have had the energy to get up. Yeah. Go outside. Yeah, that was my mom. My mom died in January from congestive heart failure. She was a smoker for over 50 years. Yeah. Um, but she also had osteoporosis and a lot of other things, and she's taken narcotics. And yeah. uh, when it became legal, I actually uh, gave her some, bought her some capsules, recreational center, take uh, take them to her. And of course, she, she did the same thing that everyone else does in her age group. She took one, didn't feel anything, took another. Yeah. <laughs> and it's hard too because they're capsules, mm-hmm. and you think about you take uh, ibuprofen. Yep. 20 minutes it's going to kick in 20 minutes 30 you know and then you're like oh my headache's gone you don't really realize that Mm -hmm. and i think that's the behavior that people have applied to all capsules yes you know absolutely and it oh i should be feeling something but you know cannabis uh like a lot of medications has to if you take it as an edible has to be processed by your liver so it takes longer (laughs) gender weight right metabolism tolerance everything all of that is in there so I, I envision at some point, I would hope, that not only a type of uh, certificate from an institution such as ours or any other institution of higher education um, or even uh, an organization like some of the outside organizations that you take classes and you uh, would take a, um, a a quiz or a test to show that you're competent and, mm-hmm. and then you receive um, not necessarily a license but accreditation for yourself. Yeah. Uh, that shows that you have met these goals. So I see that happening. Uh, I, I hope that happens. And I'd like to see uh, more medical clinics as far as health clinics. Uh, yeah. You know, my dream would be able to have uh, a physician with a clinic 
and then an individual who could be an educator strictly on cannabis for patient education. Yeah. Working with that person. Right. Um, you know, Pennsylvania, we talked a little bit about that the other day. Uh, they require a pharmacist mm -hmm. to be in. And what's remarkable, I thought, you know, I'm going to look up on Indeed and see how many pharmacists are being hired in Pennsylvania. And it is insane. And really? They, and they are all associated. They're not our local types of like CVS, Walgreens, sure, sure. Walmart, none of those. It's like uh, all these different types of cannabis stores <laughs> that are looking for them. And what a genius idea because there is, you know, there are interactions and yeah. those are things that we have to consider. And we should know what individuals are taking before they embark on this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's getting closer to the, to what, we experience with medicine right you know the whole joke i was saying i made a joke earlier if you went to walgreens and the yeah. person was just like all right let's try this yeah you know? yeah just give this a shot but I now you're work. starting to see a physician at the dispensary so right. that's that's awesome we're getting there yeah <laughs> i mean yeah i would love to see that i would love to see a physician owned uh dispensary yeah and to have a physician on staff right um that of course would have to, and this is the difficulty in it, right? Because it's because it's scheduled the way that it is, and mm -hmm. because the research doesn't exist, no way is insurance going to cover it. Right. And in Illinois, the cost of cannabis has become such an incredible monopoly; it's mm -hmm. nauseating. Yep. And I I realized it um, some time ago, but. I recently took a trip to Michigan, and when I was in their dispensaries, uh, first of all, and this just sucks about about Illinois in a lot of ways. Uh, if we have medical patients that come here, they have to buy recreational. Yep. Yeah. No reciprocity. Yeah. None. I go to Michigan on a trip, and I thought, you know, I, I kind of want to check out the shop. I want to see what it's like. Yeah. Um, and um, I actually went to Traverse City. I think they have seven of them mm -hmm. in one town, Yep, <laughs> which was just insane. And uh, I just walked into a dispensary and I said, do you sell to out-of-state medical patients? They said, yes. I hand them my card, my license. They enter the information, come on back. So we don't do that. We don't yeah. accept people like that. Uh, so we make them pay more. Again, no reciprocity. And as I'm buying the product that I usually buy, it's $20 less. Not only that, but the experience is more akin to what you would expect in a dispensary. You can observe the product, right? Right, yeah. The, yeah. So the product is out, and the product is actually hanging on the walls behind the counter, yep. and that really surprised me. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, they were a little more casual. Yep. You know, here I feel like Maxwell Smart. You have to go through a series of, of doors before yes. you, you get to then, of course, yeah, the product. Get buzzed in. And <laughs> somebody pats you down. Yeah, yeah. They <laughs> walk through a metal detector. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so, I mean... The experience, I think, is far more intimidating here yeah. for, for medical patients. Mm -hmm. I remember being at the dispensary um, for some reason. Uh, there was just a couple people in the lobby getting checked in. It was before the pandemic. And there was a, a woman who had just walked in with a friend. Mm -hmm. And she was so nervous. It was her first time there. And she just approached me and said, you know, do I have to buy my full amount? Do I have to do this? Do I... And I, no, I mean, nobody yeah. is there to help them with that process right. either. I mean, it, and it's scary. And I do see a lot of these, you know, bun tenders who are spending a lot of time um, at one of the places that I've gone to. Every single person that works there is a medical patient. Yep. So they can share their experiences, but that's their experience. Right. 
Right. And that's where we're also running into the, hey, pick a medication to treat your, your illness. The mm-hmm. person is going to say, this works for me. I can try that same product and not get the same level of relief or type of relief. Exactly. So that's, we're going to have to get ahead of this, you know, yeah. and we've been very retroactive with all of this. You know, that's kind of what happens with, with health where uh, have a tendency to want to be proactive, but we can't because of maybe insurance or other types of things. And yeah, yeah. so it, it can be complicated for people. Yeah. And like you say, I mean, there's just, it's this conundrum that we're stuck in. I mean, you brought up your, I took a note over here, uh, your social studies teacher telling you about hemp. Your so, just your description of your social studies teacher reminded me of my social studies teacher. Yeah. And it's like, man, we must have had good luck with social studies <laughs> yeah, teachers. Yeah, he was great. But uh, it's interesting that information, and we're seeing this play out like on a whole political scale, right? But information is becoming either politicized or like uh gosh i can't think of the way to describe what i'm but it's like uh like dismissed slash prohibited yeah yeah so in other words like the topic that he was discussing with you guys that was somewhat political because oh yeah yeah he pushed it right because people were like you know uh i mean even the united states government up until the 80s or 90s denied that they made hemp for victory the video during i think it was world war ii was it world war ii yeah yeah where they uh, look that up people that are listening um hemp for victory it's a video that the united states government made where they were saying hey grow hemp. It's what the government needs. Yeah, it was almost know. a type of a propaganda video, yeah, you really. you are American That's if right. you grow hemp. That is the true yeah. definition of being an American yeah, that if was, you grow hemp for us. In fact, yeah. uh, uh, when I was growing up, I remember um, we had a, uh, a rope that was in the barn, and that rope was made out of hemp, and that I don't know how old it was. My dad still has it. Yeah. It's just crazy. And I'm thinking, okay, you've at least had it for 52 years. Right, right. You know, so, you know, and then that probably would have come from that era, from the World War era, World yeah. War Two. So, uh, yeah, but it was, I, I've seen the video that you're talking about it, yeah. and it's just amazing. You, you're a patriot if, mm-hmm. you, if you do this. So we're like stuck in this weird place where, um, you know, you, like... We're not a lot. We want to do professional, data-driven, peer-reviewed research, right? But we're not allowed to. Right. Meanwhile, <laughs> you've got salesmen and just people that are victims of misinformation, right? Uh, spreading things that just simply aren't true. Uh, you know, the fact that we categorize can't. We talked about this before the show. I wanted to make sure to cover it though. The fact that we categorize cannabis as indica, sativa, yeah. or hybrid. Arguably, like you say, they're all hybrids. They're all they've hybrids. Been mixed, they've been mixed so much. <laughs> yeah, all they all hybrids. are. There's no originals here. Right. So uh, where do we, how do we, and I was, was talking to a horticulturist from the U- University of Illinois, at, actually, and he was saying that uh, I struck kind of a personal chord. This is something I've talked about on the podcast a few times. I was like, why is cannabis separated and sold as strains? Yeah. You know, I would argue that it should be cultivar variety or, like you say, hi- hybrid with, you know, with one of those um, characteristics, depending on whether or not the plant has one or more distinguishing characteristics and is true to seed, I guess, is technically how they make that distinction. I'm not going to pretend to be a horticulturist or a. Yeah, uh, that's not yeah, my thing. That's either. not my thing no. either. Yeah. So, but 
I struck a personal chord with him when I was just saying, you know, and we're, we found this out. This has come pretty familiar for us. The word strain is borrowed from microbiology. Yeah, it is. And is mainly used, to, this is my favorite part, mainly used to describe a genetic variant or subtype of bacteria, fungus, or virus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This new I strain mean, of, when uh, we talk about yeah. strains, strains are, are specific to illness. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so. it's so weird to see that language. And I, I, like I say, it's, it's, we're in this weird spot where we, We'd like to advance the vernacular, the language. Right. But we can't. Meanwhile, it's like we're kind of, I feel like we're getting pulled back almost yeah. by the. It's like a cannabis purgatory. Yeah. yeah it's like, <laughs> how do we get out of here? Yeah, that we're just kind of. And, and again, I think the reason why we're here is the misinformation. Yep. The, the same stuff that, um, that I deal with, because I handle all the COVID cases on campus, and whether you're an employee or a student, they, mm-hmm. they come through me. Um, so when I, I think about the misinformation that's associated with that, it's it's the same ins- misinformation that we have for cannabis yeah. and, and virtually for anything. People right. develop a belief um, about a particular product, and that is the belief that they have. Yep. Um, so, yeah, we are in this cannabis purgatory. <laughs> yeah, and I'm hoping that um, once we start, uh, these, cl- these classes start, that maybe we'll get um, our you know, our people, I'm, again, I'm struggling with words, um, our students, our population, um, you know, organized and teach them how to utilize a data-driven approach that turns this practical but largely anecdotal information yeah. into a form that would begin building towards a more scientific approach that could be validated with hard numbers. You can see I'm reading off of my note right Totally here. fine. Because I can't, I can't speak this morning. <laughs> it's okay. Um, so good thing, good thing I had some notes, right? Um, this would eventually include things like standardized open research protocols and peer review research. Both of those tendencies would trend against the largely proprietary practices currently in use. You bet. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly what would happen. Yeah. And uh, in my mind, I like to think that if we were able to do that and all the proprietary stuff that we have now, like this is our product, this is how, yeah. you know, indica, sativa, or a Well, hybrid. now to, to even show how more proprietary it gets, instead of doing an indica, sativa hybrid, they're going, oh, this is my rest, this is my elevate, this is my... Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, so they're uh, kind of... I was trying to think of a new product that I saw. They're, they're like little tablets and there's like a, yeah, a, a rest and elevate, a yeah. genius, there's yeah, another something one, like and that. then love is another one. <laughs> like, and... Uh, what I don't like about that is on those products, they say, yes, it has this much THC or CBD, uh, but it also will say, and other ingredients. Yeah. How about you throw me a bone and tell me what those are? Right. And, you know, because they refer to them as being, uh, and, and this is where it can be dangerous for some people. Mm-hmm. They refer to them as having herbal supplements in them. Yep. Depending on what that supplement is, someone who's taking a blood pressure medication or another heart medication like a, like a beta blocker, it could be really risky for yeah. them. So, you know, that's where we come back to. We've, we've got to get this knowledge to people. Yeah. And it, I, I would like to see more of what goes into the product. But, of course, the, the labels that they put on the product now is about the, the amount of THC or CBD and, and some other types of things that are in it. But it's also in a font size of what, too. Right. Uh, and <laughs> well, it's arguably this is another topic in and of itself. You know, uh, they're listing, like you say, THC, CBD. You might see a few other cannabinoids on there. Yeah. But then, 
my inter- my esteemed internet research has led me to find find out that there we now know there's over a hundred cannabinoids. Oh yes, yeah, right, far and, more than we than we initially realized. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, um, we're selling it by THC percentage and uh, what what these five you know numbers and it's like is that really indicative of what the product would be if we don't even know what these other cannabinoids do right yeah and and again we're going back to the research with that you know we know that thca is the precursor the thc uh and then a lot of people kind of poo-poo the the cbd and i kind of wish that they wouldn't Mm -hmm. um because uh, cbd has a synergistic effect it actually helps the cannabis uh the thc in it more effective at, right. at treating a condition. Uh, so I, I kind of would like to see, um, you know, more stuff blended with the CBD for individuals with the medical conditions. Yeah. Um, but usually if we're looking at recreational, people don't want anything to, to do with that. And that's fine too. Um, but until we know exactly what each one of those does, you know, we are just, again, in our little purgatory here. Right. Yeah. So I think a good topic to maybe close on is uh, is the idea that prohibition of cannabis solves more problems than, or sorry, causes more problems right. than it solves. For sure. Um, you know, I want to give you the opportunity to kind of expand on that idea, but I guess just my initial thoughts are like, you know, as soon as legalized cannabis came around, that's... I would say that's when it was easy to dispel the gateway drug myth. Yes. Because the more of it. Right. Well, and you, uh, the way I put it is like when I go to a dispensary, they are only licensed to sell cannabis. Right. Right. When I go to a unlicensed drug dealer, they aren't licensed to sell anything. Right. So everything (laughs) that they're doing is illegal and they don't really care obviously about the law. So maybe they might just offer me something else. That doesn't happen at a dispensary, right. you know what I mean, or a store. You know, you don't you don't go to a Walmart and they say, "Well, hey, you know, you want to try this too?" <laughs> yeah. Like, maybe if there's a deal and somebody's being nice, you know, they might yeah. point out, "Hey, the Kraft mac and cheese is cheaper, actually." If you, but uh, you know, so like like I say, prohibition in that case uh, causes more problems than it solves. Right. Oh, for sure. I mean, and I think. Alcohol really showed that, right? Yeah. The number of problems that it showed with uh, bootlegging and the number of deaths and uh, yeah. how the mafioso was involved and just all of these things. Uh, and we didn't really see that type of problems with prohibition in, in cannabis, right? <laughs> yeah, no speakeasy. <laughs> Nobody <isn't>. cares. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> that that uh, the idea of it and, and the effects of it, it, it just night and day, yeah. right? So, um, and I think the ideas that we've had, we've had such a robust campaign against cannabis for so long and and the whole uh say no to drugs campaign that came out of uh nancy reagan of course it was just a a little girl who asked her what should i do well just say no and it (laughs) became the campaign um and then the different types of of drug education that we had of course is against medications uh, or against cannabis and against a, a lot of other things um and as we have learned you know that as we legalize cannabis, more people are using it, and we're seeing for our own eyes, you know, what is happening. That That is actually kind of 
I think, changing individuals' opinions of it. And I think the more that people are around it, they'll, they'll start becoming a little more, you know, accepted because it's been illegal. People have just kind of had this clandestine type of approach to it and they mm-hmm. don't want anything to do with it. Uh, and then there's individuals like, yeah, but, you know, I use it for sleep. I use it for relief. I use it for fun, you know. Right. So I, I think the more that people are exposed to the concepts of it, they understand it more. That's usually true for most things, right? We understand something a little bit more. We have a tendency to be a little more accepting of it. Mm-hmm. And that will need to come from from coursework, I think, in yep. order to help people to, to kind of discern, you know, how to look for good information versus you know the bad stuff that's out yeah. there how do i sort that out because that's another part of the health literacy is helping people understand what is there yeah if you come forward <laughs> to me with a research study that has six people in it and three of them dropped out yeah but you produce good results from that take it away i'm not right. interested i'm not the least bit interested in that you know that we need larger populations and uh, individuals and uh, to kind of commit to this process of, of educating the public yeah yeah, that's uh, yeah. That well said. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, I guess any any final thoughts as we uh, close out, folks? Uh, as she said, uh, what was it? MyEIU.edu to sign up. Yeah, or? it's it's uh, so you would register for it as if you were at a college course. So you'd have to be accepted to the university yep. first, uh, and you can apply to the institution at MyEIU.edu. Okay. Cool. All right, perfect. Well, Sheila, thank you so much for reaching out. You you yeah, reached out thanks. to me. Yeah, yeah that's right. It was really exciting to uh, to to hear from you and to, to sit down and talk to you. Yeah, that actually happened because my office manager saw that you were having a professor on, and she came down to my office and said, "Is it you?" And I said, "No, but I want it to be me." <laughs> so I <laughs> sent yeah. you an email, and it, it was like within a, an hour I heard from you. So it yeah. was great to hear from you too to have this opportunity. Mm-hmm. I saw another .edu email address come through, and I was like, "Well, we gotta get her on." Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so folks, that's a teaser. We do have some more uh, folks uh, from higher education, pun intended. Ended. Love it. Um, <laughs> yeah. So stay tuned for that. If you have any uh, questions that come up from this, from listening to this, don't hesitate to shoot them uh, towards us. It's chillinois.net slash contact. Uh, we'll definitely be having Sheila on, back on in the future. Um, you know, I'd love to talk about how the course goes and, you know, I'm sure there's going to be more. I'm sure this is just the beginning. Right. So, right. I think it will be too. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, folks, you heard it here. What was the course again? Medical Cannabis? Medical Cannabis. P-U-B-H 2420 Medical Cannabis. Sweet. Dr. Sheila Simons. All right, folks. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.